Ready to go. Alrighty, ladies and gents, we're recording this time. Welcome to the second ever live podcasting recording. I hope you are doing well. It's a Tuesday night here in Brisbane, Australia. It's probably incredibly early in the US if you're up there on the east coast of the US. Good morning to you. If you're in like the west coast US, you're probably not awake. But anyway, ladies and gents, let's kill the music. Oh my goodness, that was crazy. But welcome, ladies and gents, to another live podcast recording. Um... You guys know me, I'm Ryan. Uh, we're going to get so many more guests on here very soon, uh, but first of all, whether it's good morning, good evening, whatever it is, good afternoon to you, welcome to the live podcast thing. We've got a new topic for tonight that I'm going to be discussing. I can't wait to get stuck into it. Again, I've got to celebrate the cameras though. Have a look at the cameras, people. I'm so excited about the cameras. We haven't got a guest here tonight. I'm sorry I didn't surprise you with a daddy Tesh. I know that would have been amazing had I been able to do that, but... We are get working on it. We're going to get some really good guests in here. But what I want to do, and I guess just introducing you guys to the flavor of the content that I'm going to do this. I want to do this regularly. So I need your help, guys. I need you to send me the subject matters that you guys want me to be discussing each evening when I do one of these lives. I might start doing them in the morning Australia time so I can double tap into the US um, for their evening sort of peak time as well. Because I know, like I said, a lot of those West Coast... Americans right now are asleep. Oh, maybe they're up. Maybe Jamie Sheldon, uh, Dallas Langston, guys like that have got the notification bell set loud just for this so they don't miss it. But anyway, um, yeah, how cool is this? It's really good to be back. I am loving this uh, setup. Really, really enjoying it and very excited about um, lining up a few guests. I've already started working on who I'm going to be having in. But... Um, for everyone who's new to this this format, what I want you guys to do is help me with the subject matters. Now we're gonna, as you can see tonight, we have a subject matter of tendons versus muscles. A very common question that I receive from a lot of, uh, I guess, early days arm wrestlers, and it's something that I'll address tonight. And the other thing is, once I have kind of shared my opinion on everything, guys, I am in a turn. Over here, where I can read the comments, and I'm going to be looking at your questions, comments, but do let me know, guys, in the comments, as you'll see, I did post the question, what is your opinion on the whole tendon versus muscles thing in the sport of arm wrestling, which matters more, um, how do you even train each of them, uh, does it just happen automatically, what's the go, and uh, I'm going to qualify this tonight as well, ladies and gentlemen, with the fact that... I know nothing. <laughs> I know nothing on a scientific level. So tonight is going to be full Ryan version bro science. So disclaimer right there, ladies and gentlemen, because I know that as soon as I start talking about my opinion on this, there's going to be some YouTube comments from people that clearly know more than me on the actual, I guess, biology of, of what's going on in the body with tendons, with muscles. And they're going to be like, oh my goodness, that was the worst version of bro science I've ever seen. But anyway, what I do have is seven years of going hard at this sport. And so I'm going to be talking from that perspective tonight on the whole tendon versus muscles thing. Um, and I'm going to be talking uh, from my experiences, what I felt, not only in the gym, what I felt on the table and how it actually changes the strategy in which you arm wrestle. Because a tendon-based arm wrestler moves very differently to a muscular-based arm wrestler. And I'm going to explain those differences for you, and we're going to get stuck 
right in. All right, so uh, welcome again. We've got a bunch of people on here. Uh, good stuff. Good to see you guys on here. Well, oh, Roger Cunningham, second best looking redhead in the sport is on there. Good to see you, brother. George Tazimi, big brother Bash. It's Cooper. Jeff Weinberg, a couple of names that I'm seeing there pop up. Gents, thank you for joining me. Ladies, if you're there as well, I know there's not many ladies who follow this channel. I think it's about 98% men. So if you are in here, welcome to the ladies. I always want to make sure I say good evening, ladies and gents. But anyway, all right, on to the topic at hand. Um, tendons versus muscles, guys. It's, it's an interesting one. When you start in this sport, um, you often feel a hell of a lot of pain in your elbow straight away. And it's tendon inflammation. Um, straight away off the bat, your body recognizes that this sport is not a sport where um, our bodies are inherently designed naturally toward it. Uh, we're not doing concentric linear movements, bicep curls. Uh, we're going sideways business. And as soon as you ask your body to go sideways, we start getting some crazy stuff going on. And um, it really hurts. It's probably the most common thing that newcomers deal with in the first six to 12 months is that tendon inflammation presses on the radial or the ulnar nerve, causes that toothache feeling up the, up the arm, and it's horrible. But we're not here to talk about rehab, and we're not here to talk about dealing with pain. We're here to talk about what matters most on the table. Is it the tendon strength? Is it the muscular strength? And how is that, how is that applied to an actual ready-go? So the way that I'm going to structure this for you guys is I'm going to give you an example of um, two arm wrestlers that I know well, uh, one, where, one who is particularly strong, in a muscular sense, and another who is particularly strong in a tendon sense. I don't know if you can predict who I'm going to mention, but um, the if you are a muscular-based arm wrestler, you do move very, very differently. You use a lot more back pressure. You use a lot more wrist flexion and pronation, um, where tendon-based arm wrestlers have a much, much, much greater ability to use supination and uh, their inner elbow. So, obviously, side pressure. So, Todd Hutchins has got to be the, the best case, uh, best example out of anyone with inner elbow tendon strength. Uh, the man can supinate his wrist. He can lock out his elbow on maximum kind of exposure. He can turn his shoulder and he can just drive sideways and he can move 77, 80 kilos, um, big numbers, whatever that is in pounds, I don't know, like 185 pounds or something crazy like that is what Todd can do in just this tendon exposure setting. Um, another good example uh, of somebody um, would be Sasha Andreev. Again, another guy, supinate, bang, in there, lock. Uh, Frode Hoglund, another tendon-based, ima- amazing tendon-based arm wrestler. Um, Mike Yellow is another one that comes to mind, a tall hooker, tendons, okay, then we think on the other side of the spectrum, we want to think of some muscular-style arm wrestlers. Of course, one close to home, Lachlan Adair. Has anyone seen a more muscular-looking arm wrestler than Lachlan Adair in recent times? It's, it's crazy. That dude has biceps bigger than, I don't know what, bigger than, bigger than anything I've got uh, in any department, bigger than my quads. Um, and his triceps go with it. But I'll tell you right now, he doesn't have much tendon strength. He doesn't have the ability to really supinate and expose his elbow and lean on it. He, he really doesn't. Jordan Davis can push Lachlan off center if they're both playing the tendon game. But of course, Lachlan doesn't need tendons when he has so much muscular power. Now, um, 
This So straight away, muscular power, as you can see, changes the shape of where your best offense is. And inherently, we are genetically going to be predispositioned towards one or the other. Lachlan, certainly muscular. Um, Todd has really uh, gone down the, the tendons. Not to say that Todd doesn't have amazing back pressure or that he doesn't have strong musculature, but it is to say that Todd has chosen to develop his tendons. Whether he went in with the intent of saying, I want to make my tendons thicker or not, uh, his training has resulted in that. And now, it, as you can see, it really does come, it does kind of force you down two different styles. Now, I, as you guys know, have been training using Todd Hutchins' methods for about 12 months now. Um, and I have developed subsequently tendon strength on a side pressure exposure level that it's starting to feel like a real gift uh, on the table. Now, what I mean by that is when you, when you have superior tendons to your opponent, you can scare them into them feeling like they're going to break their arm, like something will blow if they try to match you. Even someone as big as Lachlan, who has greater musculature, you can still scare them away from exposing their inner elbow by exposing your inner elbow. And that creates an opportunity for you to bleed your opponent. Now, think about Todd Hutchins. What is he famous for? He is famous for side pressure. He's the side pressure king, but not just side pressure, endurance in his side pressure. Now, the reason why I believe he has great endurance is I believe when you fully supinate your wrist, when you expose your inner elbow, and when you expose your shoulder to its connective tissue locks, we're not sitting on musculature, we're sitting on connective tissue locks at this point. I believe when you're in that position, the lactic acid buildup, and this is, again, bro science. This is Ryan Blue Bowen bro science, not any other version. This is just personal experience. When I go supinated, expose my elbow, looks like a break arm position, but mm, it's not, and expose my shoulder and lean on someone, lactic acid builds up a hell of a lot slower there than if I was facing my opponent in a back pressure dragging style hook with a cup based. If I was, so back pressure, pec, bicep, wrist flexion. If I'm doing this and I'm holding my opponent two inches away from, uh, from beating them and I can't quite get through, the lactic acid builds up a hell of a lot faster there for me than if I'm open with my chest on the inner elbow and fully supinated. That's just my experience. So I believe really that if you are a tendon-based strategist on the table, um, there is a greater potential for endurance. And I, I believe we see that in pullers like Todd Hutchins, Micah Yellow, uh, Sasha Andreev. These are great examples of guys. And hookers who just sit in there and sit in there and sit in there. Hookers don't tend to lose um, on a muscular sense. They lose because their hand gets twisted enough that the top roller can finally get down pressure and access to their own press. But the hooker that's in the battle or on the offense, he can drain anyone who's a back pressure puller, whether it's a, whether they're a hooker or a top roller, he can really drain their side pressure, um, sorry, drain their bicep by leaning on them with constant side pressure. So, guys, that, that really brings it back to the, 
the strategies of how to employ um, tendons. Now, are tendons important in a back pressure sense? Yes. Um, less so. Much more important in a side pressure sense. Um, tendons really are the connective piece of tissue that sends all the signals to your brain. The, the reason why you can't go as hard as Todd or I can't go as hard as Todd is because of the, the I think it's called a Golgi tendon. Look, I'm trying to get into some science here. Called a Golgi tendon that sends a signal to your brain, basically saying, you go any harder than this, this stuff's going to snap and uh, we're going to have a soft tissue injury. So we back off. But the more time we spend on that vector and then we're going to get into how we train it, um, the more time uh, or, or the, the more resilient it becomes and you don't get that warning saying, hey, I'm going to bust something up. So I do believe tendons play a very big role in anyone that is a side pressure arm wrestler. There is one other component to tendons that is just an experience that I've had with local guys in my club and that is uh, old guys. Old guys have very stiff tendons. I don't know if you've noticed, but um, a 55-year-old guy and a 20-year-old guy that have the same one rep max, same number, the 50-year-old guy feels hell of a lot worse to arm wrestle than the 20-year-old guy. Even if they're equally as proficient as an arm wrestler and they have the same one at max, the 50-year-old guy is harder. And the reason that is is because his tendons are more stiff than this guy. This guy's more rubber band-like and this guy's more like a chain. Stiff tendon means instantaneous uh, delivery of your force where the rubber band young guys they have to kind of get get it going so that's just again what i feel from people in my club there's one gentleman look him up on instagram rudy manure unbelievable guy this guy's i think he's 53 something like that he's been an acrobat all his life he's done his uh, gymnast all his life he loves doing obscure strength and what that's translated to is his hand, when you grip his hand, it's not actually that strong. It's very, it's quite easy to open, but it is one of the most intimidating tendon feels you will ever experience because his tendons are so stiff. Um, anyway, so that's just one side little thing I wanted to add in there about this whole tendons and muscles thing. So I do believe they are separate. The next question comes to, all right, well, how do we train these? We, we, we all know how to train our, our musculature. We know how to train that. And th- a lot of people say, what is side pressure? Um, is there a muscle that controls side pressure? Um, I think side pressure is less about muscle and much, much, much more about tendons. It's, it's, side pressure is, the, is your ability to move your opponent sideways without feeling like your, your elbow or other connective tissue is going to blow up. That's really what defines side pressure for me. And so how you go about training it and do I, and then we'll end with the question, which one is more important out of the two? Um, So how we train it, if we look at marathon runners versus sprinters, yes, the sprinter can uh, squat more than a marathon runner. Most definitely. They got better musculature for sure. But if you were to put a sprinter under the knife and a marathon runner under the knife, uh, the marathon runner has thicker tendons because they've had more impacts over their lifetime. Just by the nature of their sport, they have higher repetitions and they do it at a lighter weight. So building tendons um, is something that can be done at about that 30 to 50% 1RM range. I believe, that's again, <laughs> Ryan Brosides, 
disclaimer once again 30 to 50 percent of the one rm i believe is a great range to work in at as higher volume as you can handle um, when it comes to tendon training whether it's side pressure back pressure wrist flexion all of it i believe 30 to 50 percent one rm is the is the ideal uh weight to be moving and the style and the strategy that you implement is just as many reps as possible I had someone ask me about a week ago, can you overtrain with 30% 1RM? I don't believe you can. I don't think there's a number of reps you can do in a day that will be overtraining if all you're moving is 30% of your 1RM. I believe 30% of your 1RM is very, 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 very safe. It's most likely to be rehabilitative as well. But I do believe that 30% 1RM has great benefits for your tendons. Um, and it's something I do. I do. You guys see a lot of my one RM training, um, where I, I do the big, the sexy lifts, the big numbers, the ones we all kind of want to have fun with. But what you guys don't see a lot of the time is probably seventy percent of my time in the gym under tension is spent at that thirty to fifty percent one RM range. And I do that because I feel it's taken my tendons to the next level. Um, again, there's probably science on this, guys. <laughs> there's probably science on this, guys, and I don't know exactly what it is. Um, and I'm looking forward to reading your comments. I haven't looked down yet at the comments yet. I'm going to kind of get my thoughts out before I'm uh, influenced by you guys who, uh, like I said, many of you guys probably know a lot more about the science of this than I do. But um, so tendons can be trained in my experience um, through that means. The strategy we've covered now as to how it can be implemented in an arm wrestle. And uh, then the big question. The big question comes back to the fact of, all right, what's more important, tendons or muscles? Um, interesting conversations with John Brzezink on this matter last time I was about at his home. Uh, we did discuss tendons and muscles and John was a big fan of tendons. Uh, he, re- he really was. He, he felt like arm wrestlers that were truly elite all had thick tendons. They, had, they just had thick wrists, they had meaty hands and a lot of that was an indicator of their thick tendons was is that a genetic disposition or is that an environmental thing from 20 30 years i think it's a bit of both but i do think that tendons matter a hell of a lot um i really at the end of the day which matters most tendons or musculature you can't have one without the other um you really can't someone like i said lachlan adair is a great example of someone who has a far bigger ratio of musculature than tendon strength um, Jordan Davis has great tendons and yeah, not that much musculature, but he's using levers that are long at the same time. Like, um, I'm a decent example, I think, of more tendon than musculature. I don't look that big. I'm not that impressive standing next to opponents that I am balanced with. And I feel like one of the factors for that uh, is my tendon strength. Um, and especially since training under Todd, I really do feel now how to use tendons as another tool, um, as another weapon. Uh, it's not only to, it's not it's not only enough to have the weapons of back pressure, pronation, cupping, um, but this tendon-based side pressure and the endurance that comes with it really does really does um, offer you a great ability to outlast your opponent if you can be strong enough to get onto that position. 
Um, which again, I think just think of Todd Hutchins. If you're trying to think of what is the position I'm talking about, think of Todd Hutchins. So I don't know. I'm, the the um, the jury is still out for me on which one is more important. I th- guess my conclusion is they're obviously both important. Um, when it comes to choosing what way to train, uh, I do believe we can train to optimize both. Um, we, we train for our one rep maxes. That's really a musculature, musculature version of training. But like I said, I fill my day. 70% of my, tr- my gym time is actually spent at that 30 to 50% 1RM, which I believe is tendon-based training. Um, it's great rehab and it's very heavy tendon-based training. And then it's, like I said, get on the table and actually learn to use your tendons as well. Learn to know. And again, I want to put another disclaimer. This is advanced arm wrestling. If you are a novice, please, please, please be careful. Um, get someone to guide you on how to do this safely because you'll snap your SHIT up if you do this the wrong way. Um, so, but for me, like I love exploring the elastic limits of my elbow, the elastic limits of my wrist, um, the elastic limits of my shoulder and combining all three of those together really creates some amazing opportunities on the table. So, I'm going to leave that one there. Neither one is better than the other. They both go hand in hand well. I think ultimately once you learn how to control and harness both of those those components of your body, you're going to become a better arm wrestler. All right. Whoa, there we go. 21 minutes, 27 seconds talking about my opinion on tendons versus muscles. Now I guess it's time, guys, to take a look down. And uh, read some of these comments. All right, I'm going to scroll back to the top. First of all, see if there's any uh, super chats or anything like that because they're going to get to go first if they are. But um, all right, all right, let's have a quick look and see what some comments are, some questions as well. Um, Big Brother Bash saying, Neil needs to get a setup like this. Yes, he does. This is, this is, uh, this is awesome. <laughs> uh, lo- good to see that I'm blowing people's minds with camera angles. Jeff Weinberg, thank you very much. 5 a.m. here in California says... Etienne, wait, still haven't slept. You still haven't slept? Oh, my goodness. Jamie probably woke up an hour ago and started training. Yeah, he's all, all those kids. Um, Roger Cunningham says, easier to use muscle if you've got them bad puppies. Yep, fair enough, Roger. You're that long, lanky top. I don't know if you've got too many muscles going on. Um, what do you think of people only training with weights? Um, George, what do I think of people who only train with weights? I think there's equal opportunity, George, um, to become a great arm wrestler. You can become strong, clearly. You can train your tendons. You're just missing the component of the combat skills and the sense of how to move, uh, which is a very, very, very important component. So I think if you are stuck just in the gym, you still can train tendons and muscles uh, sufficiently, um, but you just, you're just not going to know when to use them in a match quite as well as someone who gets to experience the table as well. Um, what's the most important muscle you need in arm wrestling? Uh, from It's Cooper. It's Cooper, I would say wrist flexion is the most important muscle. Just wrist flexion. Often, very often, the person with the strongest wrist flexion will win. Wrist flexion uh, opens the door for pronation. Uh, wrist flexion opens the door for shoulder movement. Wrist flexion is king. Um, John Brzenk, he's the greatest of all time. Uh, if, you, if you ask the, the elites around him, you say, what was it about John? They say he's cupping was better than anyone's. So wrist flexion, I will go with as the most important muscle in arm wrestling. Uh, from Jacob, 
Uh, you can't train only tendons. Every time you train, both of them are strengthening. Yeah, fair enough comment there from Jacob Frankowski. You can't train just tendons, I agree. But arm wrestling is such a uniquely odd direction, especially when we're talking about direct side pressure. It's it's There's not a lot of muscles, like it's not a concentric curl. If I'm just literally starting here and going like this under tension, okay, what are the muscles I'm using? I'm not moving. Everything is static. I'm using my obliques, my abs to move. My arm is staying entirely locked. There's not a lot of muscle that's actively doing this. There's, there's muscle supporting the joints. There's muscle supporting things, but there's nothing going like a bicep curl. So I think I do agree with what you're saying there, Jacob, but I do also think that the point is uh, in this position, we're largely exposing our tendons, and that is the biggest factor in the arm wrestle when you're in that, using that strategy. Uh, question now, could Danny Tesh beat Lachlan in a slow pull? Um, thank you for bringing up Danny Tesh. Danny is actually a great, 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 great example of a tendon-based arm wrestler. Danny, Danny has good musculature as well, but he's tendon lock, boom, and he goes in. Oh, my goodness. Moving that man off those tendons is a nightmare. Um, so my question, could Danny Tesh beat Lachlan in a slow pull? Um, no. I think, well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm going to change that. If if the game in the pool was just to hold and outlast till someone gasses, yes, Danny would win. But if Lachlan was allowed to pin Danny, Lachlan would pin Danny. So Danny's tendon goes forever but Danny isn't strong enough to withstand Lachlan's surge. So that's the answer for that one. Um, Big Brother Bash has spent the last year of his life getting his tendons strong as Fred. Good to hear, Big Brother Bash. Sounds like you're on the Todd Hutchins program. Uh, What else we got? Jeff Weinberg says, well, muscle will fatigue, whereas tendons might just snap or tear. Yeah, there's that goal, the, the Golgi tendon, like I was saying, um, is the thing there that is really the, gives you that warning to back off on pressure before your tendons do snap. So good comment there. Um, do, question from Brutal Crush. Do you think Dave Chafee uses muscular power just like that of Lachlan? Um, yeah, D- Dave, Dave has a lot of pronation. Dave loves training with sledgehammers. Dave has a lot of back pressure, a lot of pronation. Uh, I do think that he has tremendous uh, wrist tendons, though. His wrist from, again, I've never pulled Dave Chafee, but from speaking to people who have, they say he's very rigid, very awkward. And anyone who feels rigid has great tendons. Um, Stretchy people um, uh, don't necessarily (laughs) have great tendons. Dave, very rigid. Um, But yes, huge muscular in Dave as well. I think he's a great example of both. Uh, I think side pressure needs both tendons and ligaments. Yes, most certainly from LaVie. Um, weakest link will always fail. Yes, weakest link will always fail um, big time. What else we got? Mm-mm-mm. People talking about bone pressure. Yeah. John, John O'Favalon says, I use bone pressure and I dig my elbow bone into their bicep. Yeah, so planting down and using a like a, a, a press where you're inside your shoulder is a musculature thing. It's not a um, if that's what you're talking about planting down hard. That's 
actively in your muscles. When you go to your tendons and you let your your elbow be exposed and your shoulder be exposed and you supinate fully, that's when you're on that connective tissue lock most completely. Yeah, the 20-year-old tendons are definitely elastic. Thank you from Jeff Weinberg again. What else we got here? Let's have a quick scroll through. Thank you for your patience, ladies and gents, as I'm looking at these comments and questions. Um, lots of good stuff from Jeff. No, I appreciate all that, Jeff. Liter- he said, Jeff says, the literature says you can go up to 60 to 80% of your 1RM for tendons. You just need to do it as a static or isometric. Okay. Thank you for that contribution. Love the new setup. Enjoy FFA. Thank you, brother. Me too. <laughs> uh, from Robert Susus. Whenever I do heavy half rep curls with like 80 to 90 of my 1RM, I get a bunch of muscle tightening and, and problems. Every how many days do you train heavy? Mm. Um, I've done all sorts of experiments. I train, I've done the experiment where I do 1 rep maxes every day. I've done the uh, I usually do a one at max every week, yeah. With uh, then like eighty percent of my one RM twice a week, and all other days thirty percent of my one RM. So the standard formula for me, as I'll just repeat it, hundred percent one RM goes once a week, eighty uh, percent goes twice a week, and every other hour that I'm in the gym, I'm in that thirty to fifty percent of one RM range. That's my default. But I love to experiment. And when I get on the table, sometimes if the table is accessible to me, I will prioritize the table over the gym because I do feel the table is better. It's more complete. It's more accurate to what your body is looking for. But the effort that I will put on in the table is, again, in that same sort of ratios. Okay, I spend a lot of time on the table at 30%. A lot. A lot. I refuse to give more than 30% a lot of the time. Um, and I just I spend all day on the table that way. And I love it. Love it. What else we got? Uh, Jeff's again. Jeff, Jeff, you're winning for the comments tonight, man. You got more comments than anyone. As soon as you add movement into tendon training, things will start to ache and tear. That's the logic behind why people back off slowly from a heavy lift. Yeah, I can certainly relate to that release pain going, oh, yeah. And like we said, arm wrestling is a static sport. Side pressure, it's static through the elbow. We're not, we're not sitting here jerking off on the table where... We're static through the side pressure. Even though our arm may open up, we're static in the side pressure sense. So I agree with you there. Um, oh, Sir Slothington, just throwing out the question, who's the best arm wrestler in Australia? Woo! I, I look, officially, i got to say, it's still Ryan the Milkman Scott. Um, he holds the National Super Heavyweight Champion title um, on the right arm. Lachlan Adair is the Super Heavyweight Champion on the left arm. Um, but... With it, it's been almost what has it been? It's been what eight months since we've seen a, a clash. We don't know if the baton has changed hands. I suspect it has. I suspect Lachlan's strong enough to beat Ryan. I suspect I'm strong enough to beat Ryan. I suspect Jordan Davis is even strong enough to beat Ryan. Uh, I might be a little bit biased because they're all in my club, but I really do believe that Ryan's time at the top is done. So that's my opinion. Mm. Training wrist and watching this. Good on you, Travis Walsh. Love it. Keep those wrist flexion pronations going. <laughs> How are you doing coping with your new life? Are you staying positive? Thomas Miles, thank you for the question. Very much enjoying life at the moment. Loving this new setup. The support has been amazing. Very, very happy. Are Australian women f- 
family oriented. Oh, I thought you were going to ask me if Australian women are getting into arm wrestling, which they are more and more. But are they family oriented? Yeah, we'll save that for another day. Uh, are you going to the IFA arm wrestling championships in Orlando? No, I'm not. Simple reason being, I just can't travel. I applied for my, uh, I, I applied for an exemption to get out of Australia to the Australian. I applied to the Australian government just a few days ago. I got a response back yesterday saying, Meh, "No, can't go." So I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. My my hope for my next tournament will be the Zloty Tour in December. Um, but it doesn't look like I'm going to be at 601. As tragic as that is to me, I don't think I'm going to be at 601. Um, all right. Can you, from who we got here? Dank, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well. Old Taron Broad down there in South Australia. Are you still planning on going around Australia and doing super matches? Uh, yes, sir. Very much so. Um, it's just a matter of... Um, I, one thing that I was waiting for, Taron, or Dank, yes, before committing to that was just knowing that I definitely wasn't going to 601, which seems to be the case now. So that's done. The other thing is I need to wait till the WA border opens up so that I can actually drive in there and go and kick Ryan Scott's ass. Um, once that happens, yeah, man, I'm going to do it. Because that, that's all I got for this year, really, is the ability to go down. So uh, for anyone who hasn't heard about that, I'm literally going to face the number one guy in every club and I put 500 bucks on the table. They don't have to match it. I'll just slam 500 on the table. If they can beat me, they can have it. And I'm, I'll film the whole thing. <laughs> so I'm still looking for someone to come with me. I haven't found someone who's actually able to do that trip with me. You need like three weeks at least off work. <laughs> All right, what else we got? Oh, there's some random questions about sunburn. We'll leave that for another day. Uh, brutal Crush, are you back to Todd's program or are you still in your back pressure experiment? Which method do you think has benefited you more as an arm wrestler? Uh, brutal Crush, I am still ultimately using Todd's program. Um, the principles of Todd's program. I'm not following it to a T because I get a lot of table time. Uh, and I, I, I do apply, like I said earlier, I prioritize the table time above the training. But I, I train three hours a day, every day. Um, and it's all on the right arm, essentially. Uh, like I said, it's, I go, if I don't have table time, I'll do my one at max, I'll do my speed day. But if I have table time on any of those days, it will cancel out the heavy session that I was going to do. And uh, I'll still do my light work, all my volume that Todd would have me do. I still do that in the gym every day, regardless of whether I've had table time. But sometimes, and recently, a lot of the time, table time has replaced the actual main workout. All right, what else we got? From Milo. Milo P. Opinion on training with perfect position and angle like Travis or the Jedi or carrying on even if the form is breaking down and the angle is opening up a bit too much? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, that's an interesting question. A few people like to be super strict. Um, super strict versus messy when you're in the gym. Um, again, I think they translate to two different things. Messy is finishing power. Messy is fighting hard once you're in a match. But strict will get you in the match. Um, my performance at the Zloty Tour last year is a great example of I didn't have sufficient strict strength. I know I went into that tournament with good, messy strength. Um, I mean, the numbers I was moving were great. Um, but strict starts, I didn't have the strength in the strict starts. So I think they're two separate things. They're, they're both needed. Um, I currently train both. Um, 
I'm happy with my finishing power and my messy strength at the moment. So I've been in a season for a long time where I'm training a lot of my strict starts in the gym. If I'm going to do anything in the gym, it's strict right now because I feel that's my gap. So again, there's a place for both those. But great question, Milo. Thank you very much, sir. Can we... It's Cooper's asking, can he, can he verse me? Oh, yeah, man. You come and find me. Come, and, come to Brisbane. You can, you can uh, have a crack for sure. <laughs> Uh, from Robert, that makes uh, he's just commenting that makes a lot of sense. From Devon, we've heard that he, from Devon, we've heard heel tendons with volume, but he never talks about getting knots all over the forearms and biceps. Do you ever deal with that? Um, the rehab side of things, I think, uh, you just make a good relationship with a soft tissue therapist, then that's going to help you considerably there. Um, yeah. Oh, Paul Brick says, if you're still looking to move to Arizona, you've got a pretty sister. Oh, my goodness. Paul Brick. <laughs> Look, um, yeah, as, as, if you're wondering why Paul's offering his sister to marry me, um, like, uh, what is it, about two weeks ago, I put out a video saying, will you marry me? Because the only way I can get into the USA at the moment is if I'm moving to the USA for the purpose of getting married. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so thank you for the other... And, and the other thing, Arizona... My favorite part of the world, without a doubt, Arizona. I would live there in a heartbeat. Um, but there's a few logistical things. I've got kids here in Australia. They, uh, they kind of take a big big priority on the list. But anyway, I'll spend a lot of time in the USA once the travel opens up again, that's for sure. Um, from Zip, the Pirate Man. Oh, there we go. The Pirate Man. Very cool name. Can you explain the best way to load in your hand before the ready go? and where to focus pressure on, and how to close your hand best. Ah, the pirate man. Very good question. It depends, the pirate man, where you are. Um, And when I say where you are, uh, I'm referring to the refereeing rules and conditions. If you're under PAL style of refereeing, it's very different to under WAL or Travis Bajan's Super Series or something like that. Um... Americans load and fight before the go. Um, Europeans tend not to. So uh, I always think that if you if you are, let's talk about the most difficult one. If you're in Europe and you've got an opponent and a referee who's not allowing you to load like you traditionally would, um, then I believe the best load is back pressure. You can load back pressure statically without actually delivering the back pressure into your opponent's hand. You can be fully engaged with your back pressure, move your body forward to where you need to be so that you're ready in the eyes of the referee. Um, Back pressure is like an insurance policy. Knuckles up back pressure. The safest way to load, for sure. If you are a low-hand top roller, um, I often, which I, like if I'm facing Lachlan Adair, I mentally, within my mind, tie a chain from the bottom of my wrist to my shoulder. And I link that and I really actively say to myself, that chain will not break. And that is my load. I don't so much worry about my, my, my wrist rise. So it's, again, it's knowing the strategy that you're going to be attempting to, to uh, employ and um, recognizing what is the first and most critical movement to win uh, in order to gain access to that move. And then once you've identified correctly what that first critical movement is going to be in the initiation, load the crap out of it. 
There we go. Hope that was a good answer. <laughs> Uh, what else we got? In one interview from, oh, I can't even pronounce your name, rjab75male88269. In one interview, Dennis said that one's tendons get stronger from micro traumas, that traumatized place get close, get closed with scar tissue so the tendons become stronger. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Um, the, the micro traumas, I believe the micro traumas come from, you'll get more micro traumas from from tens of thousands of reps. So the more reps you can do, I, and I, I like to look at my reps rather than in a session, I like to think of my reps in a year. So for me, the biggest, the most important thing is to just get as much volume in a year as I possibly can. And yeah, I agree with your comment there from Dennis. I'm assuming you were talking about Dennis Saplinkov. Um, da, 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 da. What else we got? Um, but, 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 but people, a few people talking about PEDs. Yeah, PEDs obviously help your recovery rate in all respects. Um, Ryan, do you believe you'll be able to reach the top level without PEDs? Um, the question about PEDs for me, John Brzezink again shed a great light for me. He said that you, if you think you need to be on PEDs long term in this sport to make it to the top, you are flat out wrong. Um, he said, however, you will experience many times in the sport where you'll be tempted to take PEDs because there might be a million dollars on the line, a figurative, a uh, million dollars might be on the line um, and you have to make a choice at that moment in time when you're facing this person for a million dollars, are you going to take it? Because a lot of people will make the choice in our sport currently where yes, they will. So John's advice to me was no, you do not need it to get to the top. If you can't, if you... If you get to the top using it, you're going to kill yourself, basically. So, yes, you can get to the top without PDs. Um, but keep in mind that there's going to be times where you will lose because you didn't take PDs and your opponent did in that big match. Um, does that mean you should take them? I'm not going to give a personal opinion on it. It's up to you whether you do it. There's leagues that don't test, there's leagues that do. Then there's the moral issue. I don't know. I don't like the topic, whatever. I just like the arm wrestle. All right, so... Oh, Ben Ritchie is asking weights versus cable. Kind of addressed that, Ben. Um, I think you can... Arm wrestling is a versatile sport that when you... You can train for it using almost any tool out there. So I, I think that um, it's definitely can go both ways. Don't be too worried about which one you've got available to you. Just, uh, just get those vectors going and you'll be up. Red John says, Ryan... Brzenk said that if you can't reach a high level without PEDs, you certainly won't ever be the elite. Oh, yeah. Red John, you basically just said exactly the same thing as what I just mentioned. So, yeah. All right. All right. I'm just going to quickly scroll. I'm just about to the bottom, I think, um, of the questions. Excellent. All right. I've reached the bottom, and the last question I can see on there. Um, Ryan, what do you think? What is going to happen between Devin and Michael? Um <laughs> Oh, what else we got? There's a whole bunch more questions coming in. As soon as I say I reach the bottom and it's the end of the question, a whole bunch more questions come in. Anyway, quickly, Devin, Michael. Ah, oh, it's a hard match. Um, I do believe Michael has more staying power than Devin. I do believe Devin has more versatility than Michael. I don't know where their strength levels are. Both are claiming that they're at the strongest ever. I think it'll be a nail-biter. I'll pick 
Devon because of his versatility. But I could I could so easily be wrong. It's going to be so close. Um, I don't know. All right. Guys, I think that's it. We've reached the end of the, the questions. I really appreciate that. So thank you so much for all of that. Um, so on that note, I am going to wrap this episode up. We've been on here for almost 45 minutes. So uh, thank you for sticking around. We've got 74 people, which is a record considering the last night we were at 50 when we got to this stage. So 74 people, thank you so much for all joining in. Guys, I'm going to hit you up for the favor again. One thing I am going to do, I'm going to, I, Jordan Davis actually suggested this to me. He said, get yourself a subscriber counter clock. I'm going to pin it to the wall just here and it's going to be a live link to the YouTube channel. So if you're a new person in here and you hit subscribe, it'll go ding and you'll literally hear the ding and you'll see the number go up. We're at 33 and a bit thousand subscribers now. We want to get to that 44,000 subscriber. We all know 44% is this the strength increase we're all in. It's the strength increase we're all after. Um, so we want to get to that number as soon as we can, but um, really appreciate the fact that you guys are here watching it. So if you haven't subscribed for me yet, please do so. And if you're already a subscriber, thank you so much for your support. Hit share for me as well and tell someone about these cool lives. And next time, guys, make sure you come... Um, leave some pr- some comments below if you've gone th- all the way through this episode now um, leave me some comments below on what you would like the next subject to be because help me out with the subjects I'm going to do this as often as I can I really enjoy them like I said we're going to have a guest in here very soon as well and uh, that'll take a, a new feel as well um, also guys the audio from this uh, is on going to be released on Spotify in about half an hour's time after this live feed ends. It'll be on Spotify as well. Um, and when I say Spotify, it's on everything, iTunes and whatever else. I, I have an app that distributes it to basically all the podcast apps there are. So, um, oh, I've just seen the Rolling Robin has done a super chat. Rolling Robin, thank you, sir. Dollar ninety nine has just gone into the pound for pound piggy bank you're the man Roland Robin thank you so much for for that really do appreciate it it, um, it actually it really does make a big difference things like that uh, so thank you for that but guys I've had a blast tonight I hope you've had a blast uh, I, I, I want to get better at these buttons and the outros and all that sort of stuff I haven't yet loaded the ready go and that's a pen in here but um, anyway guys gonna sign off and we'll see you again next time alright guys Good night. Ending live stream. See you guys. Yep, we're ending it. I'm still here, but we're ending it. All right. This music's good, actually. I quite enjoy it. Um, all right. See you later. Woohoo! <laughs> yes, that's a bit! <laughs>